We are in a series right now called Thank God It's Monday. Guess what tomorrow is? Monday. But it's a short week, right? So it's kind of like a Wednesday tomorrow. So that's exciting. But we've been basically talking about this idea of what if we just like rethought work, occupation, what we do with our life throughout the week and said, what is Jesus calling us to do and to be throughout the week? And so what would it look like to be intentional about going into Monday knowing that God has called me to do certain tasks this week and we want to change our mindset? And so first week we talked about rethinking the way that we approach work. Second week we talked about basically this idea of vocation and calling, like what has God wired me to do? What am I doing with my life? And then last week we talked about values and like what we value and then how that shapes us as we approach our our week. And today we're kind of closing this series and I want to talk about this idea of of sacred work rhythms uh, that we have. Because I think that when we understand healthy work rhythms, it shapes how we work. And and so really I want want to start with this axiom that I think is, uh, I found true and helpful and, uh, and I think it applies for a lot of things when it comes to us, how we live our life. And it's simply this, it's the internal culture, the internal culture of a leader shapes the external culture of the organization the leader is leading. Have you ever heard this saying before? The internal culture of a leader shapes the external culture of the organization that the leader is leading. And that, that word organization, you might be able to say, uh, maybe that's family, or maybe that's your office space, or maybe that's your home. But what's going on inside of us and how we take care of our heart and our soul shapes externally how we live in this life. And so the things that we're leading, the things that we're working on, all of that is affected by what's going on inside of us. And so to keep something inside of us, our soul, our heart, our our inner world healthy and balanced, I think is is extremely beneficial to, to how we approach the work week even. And so when I talk to a lot of people, it, it seems like when we, when we talk about this idea of like, how are we doing, if we really get into it, I, I'd say most people are, are going through a, a feeling of, of anxiety, of being overwhelmed by work, of trying to balance a number of different things. There's always this financial piece that weighs heavy on us. We're overwhelmed. We're stressed out. With young people, there's a lot of like boredom and depression, even though we're like overly entertained. And there's this just kind of this discontent that we, we live in. There's something that's like not right inside of us. And we live in a culture that is so fast paced and is so focused on, on what we produce and how we look. And, and it just leaves us with this feeling of something inside of us has been kind of breaking down or withering or, the, and we're trying to make it on the outside look okay, but on the inside, it's like we're dying. And I don't think that's how God designed us to live. In fact, I think that's a very unhealthy work rhythm is when we, we get into these patterns where something inside of us just feels dead and we're trying to continue to produce. And I believe that as God had, had, had created the world and, and given us gifts and created us in his image, he created us to, to live outside of this healthy core of, of what's going on inside of us is actually in rhythm with, uh, w- with who God is. And from that health, uh, we're able to, to interact with other people in this world. And so I, I think a big answer for what is it that, that helps us kind of order this private world, what helps us, the internal culture of our heart is this thing called the Sabbath. 
you heard of the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a, a very religious word. It, it's a word that uh, for, for, comes out of the, the Hebrew tradition uh, of taking a day off and just not doing anything. And, and in that day, you connect with God, you, 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 do, you put your work aside, and you create boundaries where you can spend time with your family. And so I want to talk about this word Sabbath today as this thing that God has given us to help kind of order this private world. And so there's this story in Matthew chapter 12. This is a story of Jesus. And I want to look at a couple different stories of this word Sabbath and what it means. But in Matthew chapter 12, if you want to turn there, Jesus is walking with his disciples. And they're walking through this field. And lo and behold, his disciples are hungry. And so the disciples decide that as they're walking through this grain field, they start pulling off the heads of grain and eating them, which seems like a pretty, pretty simple task. And if you understand who these disciples are, most of them are young men, uh, probably uh, teenagers, and they have an appetite. I don't know um, about the men here when I was 16 years old. By the way, uh, today is Ben Sawick's 16th birthday party. So, or party. It's a party because you're here. I just want to say happy birthday. Welcome. Uh, ben, are you, do you find yourself hungry very often at this age and you're like, all the time? Okay. When I was 16, my diet consisted of like steak burritos and pizza and always hungry, couldn't get enough. My stomach was like this, you know, God-shaped hole that I couldn't fill, right? And so constantly eating, eating, eating. So Jesus' disciples, they're, they're probably the same age group. They're these young men, probably teenagers, and they're hungry and they're walking through this field and, and like you would expect them to do, if there's something that they can grab and eat, they're doing that. They're snacking on the grain. And it says in Matthew chapter 12, this was an issue because they're doing this on the Sabbath. And so there's these guys called the Pharisees in verse 2 that said the Pharisees saw this and they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And so that's kind of this loaded statement. They're doing something that's unlawful, not because like the, you know, who knows who owns the grain, uh, but because on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to work. And they would basically say that if you're picking food, you're working. And that's not something that you're supposed to do on the Sabbath day when you're supposed to do no work. And so they have this issue with what Jesus' disciples are doing. So on the Sabbath, you do no work, you pick no food, and, and, and they see that this is lawful, unlawful for them to do this. It's unlawful for them because in their uh, religious experience, they have this thing in the Old Testament called the Torah, which establishes the law, in which there's this commandment about what the Sabbath is. We'll get into that a little bit. But they're basically saying to Jesus, your disciples are doing something that's unlawful because they're picking grain on the Sabbath. And then Jesus answers and he says these words, haven't you read, haven't you read? And he starts to quote scripture and he's like, okay, you want to talk about the law, you want to talk about the Torah that you're quoting. And then he says, haven't you read? And he starts to explain these different times in the Old Testament when people unconventionally broke the Sabbath to do something for them that was life-giving. And he tells a story about David and he tells this, this story about these priests. And then he gets to the end of the story and in verse seven he says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is talking about himself, and he says this whole thing, the Sabbath, I'm Lord of it. The Sabbath is all about me being Jesus. And so he's talking to these Pharisees who are upset that these people are working on the Sabbath, that these guys are eating food, filling their appetite, and Jesus gets mad at them and says, they're allowed to do this on the Sabbath because it's it's something for them that is life-giving. Then there's this other story going on from that place. He went to their synagogue, and a man with this shriveled hand, this hand that had withered, was there. And looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, the Pharisees say, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath? 
So there's this another question about what you can do on the Sabbath, and there's this man with a shriveled hand, and Jesus says this, if any of you has sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said, stretch out your hand. And so the man stretched out his hand and Jesus completely restores this man's withered hand. And then the Pharisees are angry at this. And so Jesus has this interaction on the Sabbath with this man who has this withered hand. And according to the Pharisees and and this uh, Old Testament law, you're not supposed to work, you're not supposed to heal somebody on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, what I'm doing here is actually going to be restoring what's withered, restoring uh, what has shriveled on this man. And in Jesus, it's completely restored. And this happens on the Sabbath. And so what we find in, in, in Jesus, and oftentimes when we look at Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus gives us what? the religious experience of following God is all about. And we have this Bible, and it's the story of how people interact with God. But more than that, it's showing us this way of, of the way that we interact with God, and that is through Jesus. And so Jesus is constantly showing us what it means to be in relationship with God. And so he starts to quote this, this Old Testament passage of this idea of the Sabbath that comes from the Ten Commandments, really, and if we look at like where this word Sabbath comes from, and if it's something that's supposed to give us life, at this point in the story, it's something that had become oppressive for the followers of God. And Jesus is saying, no, the Sabbath is supposed to be life-giving, not something that is this oppressive religious ritual. We have all sorts of oppressive religious rituals in our world today. But God says, I've come to give you life, and that life is through Jesus. So if we look at even this idea of Sabbath, where it comes from, if we look at the creation story going back to Genesis 1, what we find is that this idea of the Sabbath was put in place into the creation story. So from the very beginning of our story of humans, we've had this idea of Sabbath. And if we look at the, the Hebrew workday, go, go back to, to Genesis chapter 1, what we find is that there's this beautiful poem in Genesis chapter 1 about how the world was created and about all these rhythms that were put into the world of this is how creation works. And there's, in this poem, there's this, this, this cadence that says uh, that the world's created in seven days, and at the end of each day it said there was evening and there was morning the first day. And then the second day happens, and there was evening and there was morning. And then the second day comes about. There's a certain cadence to the creation story. For the Hebrews, they understood this idea of the day starting at night, in the evening, and then in the morning. So for them, their day starts when they go to sleep. And when we think about our work day, we wake up, our alarm goes off at 6 o'clock, we hit snooze three or four times, wake up at 6.30, and we start our day and then at the end of the day, the day is over and we go to sleep. But for the Hebrews, the original workday started with sleep. This is important to understand because when they're in touch with this creation story of, of God initiating creation in the world, they're joining in the creation story by the time that they're, they're created. And so when they have this mindset of the day starts by us going to sleep, God starts the creative process of starting a new day. And then when we wake up in the morning, there's this whole world that's been created for us that we're joining into. So we wake up and see what God has created and given us for the day. 
This is the mindset of the Hebrew as he goes to sleep at night. I am, I am turning myself off so that God can become God again, that he can start creating this day for me, and then I will wake up and wake up into this new creation. So every day is this new creation that they enter into. So creation is something for them that has started without them doing anything. It starts with God creating while they're asleep, and then they wake up and they join God in the ongoing creation of the world. This is very important for them is how they set their work day. So their day starts out of rest, not out of toil. And their day starts with not them being in charge of what's going on, but God being in charge and then them joining in to what God is doing. And that's the way it is with, with really with life, with salvation. Salvation is something God has done for us, not something that we've earned. And our value is found in joining God in the story. So for the Hebrew workday, it starts when you go to sleep and then you join in what God is doing as you wake up. This was also important for the Hebrews because when they're in Egyptian captivity, when the, the story that, that we know the new movie's coming out and it's about Moses and Christian Bale's playing it and really looking forward to seeing it. Maybe it'll be a little bit different than the Noah movie that just came out. But they're, they're in Egyptian captivity. They become slaves. And every day it talks about how they wake up at sun, sunrise and they work for these Egyptians until sundown. And then what we find is that it, it's this oppressive work schedule. They also don't take a day off. So there is no rhythm of taking a day off. They work seven days a week without taking a break. So when you work that way for 400 years, you're very in tune with this is exhausting, this isn't healthy, this wears me out, and this isn't how the world was created. So in that time, they become very in touch with the rhythms of creation. Now work starts when I go to sleep because that's when God takes over. And then I wake up and I enter into this creation. And then I take a break once a week where I do nothing. So the, the Sabbath, what they would say is that even God takes a break. And so when we don't take a break, like the Egyptians are not allowing us to take a break, that's actually really unhealthy. Even God takes a break. So the Sabbath, this idea of taking a break is what I would say, God putting into place something for us that's life-giving. I would say that this idea of Sabbath is a gift. It's a reminder that God loves us. Sabbath is grace. The same story that Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees in Mark chapter 2, Jesus says, Sabbath was not made for man, our Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So when we think about our internal culture, what's going on inside of our heart, inside of our soul, God has given us this day, this Sabbath, to kind of reorder everything, to put everything back together, to be filled up, to rest. And it's God's gift to us. It's God's grace saying, you don't need to keep toiling. You can just relax, sit back, and enjoy his presence. So Sabbath is a gift from God. Sabbath is grace. And, and what I, I believe that God has given us all sorts of gifts in this world that make our life more enjoyable, richer, fuller. And this is one of them. God has given us Sabbath as a gift. Another thing is that Sabbath is a, a day of rest for us. God gives us rest on the Sabbath. It's a gift that gives us rest, but I also I would say it gives us permission to rest. The Sabbath gives us permission to rest. Some of us, that's hard to, to understand that we would actually be allowed to take a break, to take a day off, to not have to produce something, to not have to please anyone else, but to rest. 
because even God takes a day off. This is permission for us to say, I need to stop what I'm doing and just focus on filling up my soul, ordering my private world, and saying all these things that I'm, I'm worn out, I'm weary, I can just stop doing all of that and just focus on allowing God to fill me back up. The, one of the most popular worship leaders probably in the last 15 years is this man named Dave Crowder. Have you guys heard of David Crowder? David Crowder, uh, special to, to Marcy and I. Uh, Marcy went to University Baptist Church in college where Dave Crowder came out of. And so she got to have Dave Crowder as a worship leader before he was like big. And uh, if you know anything about like Christian contemporary music, Crowder, uh, Dave Crowder basically kind of revolutionized what like modern worship is over the last 15 years. And so this almost like this prophetic voice into the, to the Christian world about this is what worship can be. And it, and it changed worship music for a lot of people. And uh, Crowder's been going at it for about, you know, 15 years now of, of, of being a worship leader, but also being this, this celebrity that travels and tours. And what he found is that after 15 years, he was completely exhausted from this lifestyle of worshiping God, go figure, and, and of leading worship. And so the last studio album that this band produced, which I believe was their seventh studio album, was called Give Us Rest. And the whole song is about this idea of taking a break of Sabbath. And the worship that comes from that album is all about God giving David Crowder and his band rest to take a break because they've been creating and producing and pushing. And and there's these words from this song that I love from Crowder that that came out of this experience of striving and, and trying to do all these different things. And he finally says, Oh, great God, give us rest. We're all worn thin from all of this. And at the end of our hope with nothing left, oh, great God, give us rest. Oh, great God, do your best. Have you seen this place? It's all a mess. And I've done my part too well, I confess. Oh, great God, do your best. Could you take a song and make it thine from a crooked heart twisted up like mine? Would you open up heaven's glory light, shine on in and give these dead bones life? Oh, shine on in and give these dead bones life. And this was a song that came out of Crowder's experience of needing to take a break. And I feel like as I, as I read that song, there's so much that resonates with, uh, with me and my life. And, and I think with a lot of people, we're all worn thin from all of this, all of the things that we do at the end of our hope. Maybe you're experiencing that today just this weariness being worn thin and you just need God to give you rest. For Crowder, the whole album is shaped around this idea of Sabbath, of taking a break. The other thing I think about Sabbath as as rest, with my kids at home, here's what I've found. My kids are really crazy and if you know them, they're very hyper and they're very busy. And uh, last night, Marcy and I were just having this night where it's like, what did we give them? They are like wired right now. And, and, and they're so hyper and they're moving so quickly and it's so busy. And sometimes I'm like in my mind thinking like, what kind of monster have I just unleashed on the earth with these children? And, uh, and, and right when I feel like I'm at my wit's end, they'll fall asleep and I'll go into the room and just watch them rest. And even this morning, our youngest, uh, Ezra, was so cuddly. He just came into my arms and just cuddled up with me. And, I, and you realize when you hold children and they sleep, um, it is like one of the most peaceful things in the world. It's like they look like angels. And you're reminded of 
how special and unique and lovely they are. Finally, when they're able to just kind of chill to, to stop the chaos, to stop the madness and relax, you hold them and you enjoy them. And you, I mean, we enjoy them all the time, obviously. But, but especially when there's something unique about when they rest and you just hold the child and you look at them. It's just gorgeous, beautiful little human being. And I think that the same thing happens with us when, when we rest on the Sabbath. We're, we're slowing down and we allow God to just to hold us and enjoy us. And I think like the children in my house, when we're awake, when we're not resting, we're constantly moving, going from place to place, doing different things. And sometimes I wonder if, if God's like just waiting for us uh, to slow down and to connect with him. And sometimes I wonder if God's like, what kind of monsters have I unleashed on this world? But to actually just stop on Sabbath and rest allows God to just hold us. And there's something precious that happens in those moments. So the Sabbath is a, is a day that's a gift uh, f- from God for us. And it's a gift that gives us permission to slow down our busy life and rest uh, and rest. I think Sabbath also reminds us of our identity and I think this is huge. I think this is huge. In Matthew, uh, so Sabbath reminds us of our identity. In Matthew chapter 13, oh, chapter 3, verse 17, we have this story of Jesus being baptized. And as Jesus goes to be baptized, there's this voice from heaven that breaks into the creation and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And it's interesting that this happens when Jesus gets baptized, because this happens at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So before he goes and he starts preaching and before he goes and he starts healing people and feeding people and restoring people and, 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 and healing people who are sick, before he's done anything, God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so the, the blessing of God saying, I'm well pleased with this, this child, with this person happens before Jesus has ever done anything. There's this divine blessing. And when we think about our identity as human beings, God has created us in his image. And God has created us to be in relationship with him. And God loves us so much that he'd do anything he can to make sure that relationship stays healthy and intact. In all the ways that we try to break it, God pursues us through that with his son Jesus. That's how valuable, valuable we are to God. And much like Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. I believe that he says that about every single one of us. No matter what we do, no matter what we produce, God looks at us and says, um, this is my child with whom I'm well pleased. So there's this identity piece to be a human is to be made in the image of God, is to have this infinite value to be loved, to be accepted, to be a child. Uh, to be a human is actually a good thing when we look at the creation stories. And there's all sorts of ways that's become distorted. But originally, uh, our identity is wrapped up in we are children of the creator of God. And he loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. That's an identity I think a lot of times that gets lost. And so as we work All of us have our own insecurities. All of us have our own baggage that we're trying to work through. And and 
oftentimes uh, what we do is we strive and we work hard and we try to create this image of who we are so that we'd be accepted by others, so that we'd be valued by others, so that others would look at us and think, that person's worth having in my life. And, 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 and so we chase all these different things when it comes to identity. But when we stop on the Sabbath, we say, my identity is in, not in what I do, but in who I am, and that's a child of God. So Sabbath reminds us of who our, what our identity is. And I think this is important because the people who I find most unique and people that I just love to be around are completely in touch with who God created them to be. And they don't try to be someone else. They don't strive to be anything else other than themselves. And there's something peaceful and, uh, and just exciting to be around those kind of people. I think an example would be, we see this every day, but like In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger knows their identity, right? In-N-Out Burger, they say, we make burgers and fries and shakes, and that's it. We're not going to put a gordita on our menu. We're not going to put 99-cent tacos on our menu. We're not going to try to do the Greek thing. This is who we are. And they're one of the most successful uh, cheeseburger branches in the West, right? In an Outburger. It's the same thing with like musicians. Think of Adele. You guys like Adele? Wonderful voice. Adele is completely in touch with who she is. She doesn't try to uh, use sex appeal. She doesn't try to dance. She just says, this is my voice. This is who I am. Completely in tune with who God created her to be. And it's just this success. She's an unbelievable success. Being in touch with our identity. And Sabbath, we stop and we slow down and we rem- we're reminded of, of our identity, who we are who God has created us to be. And then finally, Sabbath. Yeah, I'll go to the next next one. Sabbath roots us firmly in Christ's presence. Sabbath roots us firmly in Christ's presence. I think this is in, in the story of Jesus on the Sabbath, when he's talking about what the Sabbath is, and he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is all, all about practicing the presence of Jesus, being in the presence of Christ. Sometimes that's through worship. Sometimes that's through solitude. Sometimes that's through being in community with people you love. And it might look different for all, for, for all of us. But in the Sabbath, we practice the presence of Christ. And I believe that the presence of Christ, there's this power that we tap into, uh, that God fills us up. For the disciples who are hungry in the presence of Christ, they're allowed to have food meet their hunger. For the man with the shriveled hand, in the presence of Christ, that hand is completely restored. When I think about, if we could go back a slide, our, my own soul, um, and my experience that I've had over the last couple of years in, in ministry, is this idea that I have this, this withering soul. And like what's true with this one guy's hand, I think was, was true inside of me. And, and I had this, this phrase that a pastor shared with me. It says, it's amazing how thin our souls are when we stop doing, we have nothing left. And, and this withering soul inside of me, when I can come to the presence of Christ and allow him to restore it like the man's hand, completely restore all the things that are withered and shriveled inside of me, all of a sudden grow again. And it's not any longer about what I do, but it's about what God does for me. And so in the presence of Christ, there's a couple things Jesus says. If we go to the verse, and I'll close with these verses. In Matthew 11:25, these are the words of Jesus. Maybe you just need to hear them today. It says, uh, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, 6. If I can find 1 Peter. Well, I know by heart. It says, cast all of your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Whatever anxiety you carry around today, uh, whatever is going on internally, cast it onto God. And then finally in John chapter 7, Jesus comes and says, come to me for I am the living water. The living water. Water that you will drink and you will no longer be thirsty. And so Sabbath is a day where we practice the presence of God where we find rest for our weary soul, uh, where we cast all of our anxiety on him, and where we're filled up with this idea of living water. And so today, I don't know what the internal culture of your heart and soul are right now. I don't know what it is that you're, you're carrying around, uh, but you may know there's something inside of you that just isn't right. And so it, it affects everything that you do. My hope today is that you would start to practice the Sabbath. And we're out of time, so I'm just going to go to the reflection questions. But some thoughts to think about tonight. Let's just take some moments to reflect on this. What is the internal culture of your heart? How are you doing on the inside? Is it a withering soul? Is it you've been trying to put, place your value in, in what you do, and so your identity is completely wrapped up in your job or whatever your, your vocation is? What is the internal culture of your heart? Maybe the question uh, to reflect on is, what hunger needs to be met in your life by Christ today? Uh, Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you feel like you don't have strength because you need something to fill you up. What is it? Allow Christ's presence to meet you. And then what has been shriveled or distorted that needs to be completely restored in your life? Maybe like the man with a shriveled hand. There's something going on inside of you that's completely withered. Maybe today you just need to stretch out your hand and allow God to completely restore it. So Richard's going to come back and close us with a song. And we think about tomorrow's Monday. Are we ready to face a week? Are we ready to have the energy to go out and to be who God has created us to be? Maybe today you just need to be filled up. You need to be fed. You need to be restored. Let's just take some moments and practice the presence of Christ. Uh, We do that through a very simple act called communion. Uh, Communion, something we do every week. Basically over here on the side there's there's bread and there's juice. The bread represents God's body that was broken open for us. And the juice represents God's blood that was poured out for us. And, And we're told that whenever we partake in this this sacred act, we remember what God has done for us that God is the God of the universe and that we wake up every morning into this world that he's created and simply join in that creation process. So when we take this today, practice the presence of God, allow him to fill you up, allow him to restore you, to heal you, to give you rest, cast your anxiety on him and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close with this song. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for life, for creation. 
Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath, this day where we can rest, we could take off. We thank you for a day off, Lord. Lord, I just ask that um, individually as we try to follow you and corporately as a new church as we try to follow you, that we will will work and produce um, out of the rest and the strength that comes from that rest that you give us. That we'd be in touch with our identity as your children. That we would know that we're already blessed because you've created us. So that everything that we do just simply flows from that life source of you. Lord, I just ask for anyone that's carrying around a heavy weight today, a burden that is just weighing them down, that they would experience just you lifting that weight from them. Lord, I pray for anyone that has the inside has just been dried out like a desert, nothing seems to grow, that you would water it for them, that you would plant new seeds that would have be life-giving. Pray for anyone that has a deep hunger, a need that just can't be met by anything outside of you, Lord, that you would meet them in that need today. Lord, we give you this time. We practice your presence. We thank you for life. We pray that you would empower us to be your people as we leave here. In your son's name we pray. Amen.